At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Today on the show, we have nurses, nurse to nurse. (laughs) I still love doing the plural. We have nurse to nurse on the show, Katrina and Fola. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks. Well, let's get going. Uh, How did this get started? I guess, do you want me to start, Fola? I'll start. Um, So this came out of lived experience. My um, my career as a nurse, I've worked um, harm reduction. I've worked as a street nurse. I've worked, um, you know, Vancouver downtown east side. I've worked in the inner city here in Edmonton um, with folks with mental health and substance use and, uh, you know, lots of trauma themselves. And... Over the years, as we, as uh, well, some people actually don't know how much trauma nurses um, are exposed to, actually, and they're quite surprised. So over the years, um, personally, you know, seeing so much, um, losing um, folks to, you know, a, an overdose crisis, you know, a toxic drug supply crisis, as some people say, and also uh, to mental health um, you know, by dying by suicide, those kind of things, and just seeing people suffering, it it added up, you know. Uh, it was accumulation of, of trauma over time, um, and then there was the one big T, you know, the one big event that just, you know, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. And um, in 2017, I was uh, diagnosed with PTSD. I saw it coming as a mental health nurse. I saw it coming, and I was advocating for peer support, the reason I was advocating for peer support is my husband's a, a firefighter. And also I worked in community with police. I worked with uh, EMS and I saw they had the peer support model as a wellness model for their, for their employees. So um, that didn't happen. Uh, the peer support didn't um, materialize as, as I was advocating for. I ended up getting PTSD. And, uh, you know, so I've worked through that um, over the years. I was injured a couple more times before, um, before I actually went off with um, not just the, the, the trauma itself, but severe depression at that point in 2019. Um, so in the summer of 2020, I wrote an article, and the article was called The Nurse with the PTSD Jacket. And it was in our our. Alberta Union Magazine News Bulletin, UNA, and I was, it was a call to action really to say, hey, um, you know, this is happening, I, it happened to me, this is how I felt, this is what was going on, and this is, you know, we need to change this, because it's not just me. I've seen my colleagues um, go, you know, go, go down and, and go off work. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, and not just nurses, like I've always worked in multidisciplinary teams. So it was like people around me as well. So that's when, um, Sarah, Sarah, um, 
the other founder of Nurse to Nurse, she reached out. And Fola and I used to work together in the inner city, and that's how we met. And, um, you know, so a lot of the same experiences we've had. So we've we've came together and, and we said, well, let's just do it. Like grassroots, let's develop a peer support team for nurses. And, yeah, here we are. And here you are. Yeah. Yeah. Fola, for you, what has peer support meant for you? What, like, what, what does it, what do you get out of it? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for myself, it's really about like community. I feel like there's so much like separation among staff. Uh, you know, people are maybe really busy with the workload and trying to like cope with their own stuff, like personal life and work life. And so peer support has just really been about like building these relationships that are like meaningful and making connections and kind of bringing it from this like hierarchical, like top down structure to more like community. Everyone can see each other exactly as who they are, like humans and have like compassion for each other. So I would say that's like the biggest piece that I, I really enjoy about the peer peer role. So what did you find a model or did you, did you just decide I'm going to do peer support and you just started doing it? Or was there some sort of structure or a guide guideline of how to do it? Yeah. The um, mental health commission of Canada, they have the guidelines um, and then the proof kind of the evidence behind it. Um, because my husband's a firefighter, I also, you know, met with them. Um, I, um, before my injury, actually, I met with the EMS here in, um, in Edmonton and I actually went to the, you know, hall and, and said, you know, what are you doing? How are you doing this? And, you know, how did you get started sort of thing? So I've done like, we've done a lot of research and on the ground kind of, um, you know, focus also through Edmonton police service here, they have a reintegration program as well as a peer program. And it's the critical incident stress management, but also the reintegration piece. And so, um, you know, we've connected with them in Toronto sick kids. Uh, Kelly Naughton is the, um, she oversees and coordinates a trauma response program through Toronto sick kids and it's integrated within the hospital itself. So I've connected, I connect with her a couple years ago as well and said, what are you doing? And it just happened that her husband was a firefighter as well. So all these first responders and, um, you know, we've kind of modeled from that um, perspective and, you know, built, built on, built, had the foundation and have built from there. What can somebody expect if they attend your peer support group? What does it look like for, like, what's the, how would you describe the flavor of, of how you do things? Fola? It's a beautiful oh, flavor, really. Yeah, you go, yeah, you go ahead. You explain it. And I'll okay, I'll explain it. Okay. Yeah. okay. I just don't want there. to talk too much. <laughs> yeah, we're both there. Um, so, uh you know, before we started the circles, I one of my, my friends, he's an EMS, and he used to be a veteran as well, and we used to work in community together. And I, I asked him, I'm like, okay, how do you make a safe space? Like, how, how do you, like, what are, what, what are the guidelines and things that you use? Um, and, you know, he said that we use a verbal contract, and you look at everyone and make sure that they all have, you know, thumbs up, he says, and <laughs> and go from there. And I said, okay. So we built, um, um, I had actually gone to, uh, OSI Can has peer circles as well. 
here and they're online and we've connected with them. And I'd gone to a few of their circles as well and saw that they had a really lovely, um, you know, guidelines set out and same kind of idea, um, you know, read them out and, and just make sure that everyone feels safe. We also, if we were on Zoom, so, you know, it's, it's like this, we're talking, um, we can see each other's faces it's a little different, right, than feeling each other in, in a circle together in physical space. So we try to make it as personal as possible. So certain things we ask um, to build safety and trust and that it's more um, trauma-informed as well is that, you know, we want to be able to see each other and, you know, what, you know, how we might be reacting or um, it just make it more personal, right? and um, try to connect as much as possible because that's the, you know, really the important piece. And, you know, that we ask that it's um, in a personal space with headphones so that no one else is hearing the stories and to, you know, really build confidentiality um, as, you know, a key component there as well. As much as, you know, like we're all in our homes and, you know, we have kids around and we have to look after our kids too. And, um, yeah, so it's been working really well, uh, the, the guidelines and expectations and, and just how we've, we've structured it. And that it's a place that people can come and be respected and, you know, provide it with dignity and we meet them where they're at, right? doesn't matter what their experience is and we just, we listen and, you know, give each other care and compassion. Fola, for yourself, how, what would you say the pros and cons are between doing virtual peer support via Zoom and, and being in person? What, what would you say, like, how would you describe the differences and pros and cons of each? Yeah, I mean, so most of what we've done has been online just because of the timeline and with COVID. Uh, for myself, like prior to coming into like nurse to nurse peer support, I was an educator within like the healthcare system on a team where they actually started bringing in peer support workers. So watching, uh, those peers working with clients one-on-one was very different. Like, I think there is a component that's missing when we can only do it virtually, Um, You know, whether that's even like light touch, which as nurses, that's like an area where, you know, if it's appropriate and it's consensual to be able to show someone support. Right. So I think there are like some challenges um, with having it only online, but we're able to like reach more people. And, you know, it might even mean more people are able to attend because they feel safer coming when it's just in the comfort of like their own living room. Right. Uh, So we I think. There's, there's pros and cons to both. Um, we would love to have more like in person. Uh, we know that uh, out in Nanaimo, they have kind of started seeing people in person. Uh, and we, we believe that that's going to continue to grow, whatever that looks like. Um, and then also kind of going into, because uh, right now they're like open groups. So that means anyone can come and go as they need to. Um, you know, we see someone once, we might never see them again, or they come back like months later. Uh, we'd like to be able to start creating like closed groups, maybe even following like a specific theme, like substance use issues, or you know maybe even like self harm, suicidal thoughts, things like that, where people can start to really get a sense of like trusting with each other, um, where they would be meeting the same group over X amount of like weeks, and I think that would be great for either in person or on Zoom. 
it's like we have this technology why not use it it's uh been really neat to kind of have that grow so is there just one group right now or is there a series of groups yeah right now um like our specific group of like sarah katrina myself um we have another sarah also that's been joining in like we've been holding these bi-weekly on mondays uh the groups online and then in the NIMO, I think they're meeting what maybe every few weeks or depending kind of on the schedule is my understanding, Katrina. So far, it's once a month in the NIMO in person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once every two weeks seems to be a, a good frequency. You know, it's not too much. It's not too little. Once a month, it's starting to get a little bit light. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think. Yeah. So there's two groups then. There's an NIMO group in your group. Yeah. 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 Okay. And uh, what do you think is the ideal size per group? Because I know it can get too big and then it doesn't really work. We've never had over 20. So for us, it's never really been a challenge. I've been in other um, groups lately with um, another nurse called Sandra Payne through Sandra Payne Wellness and Nurse Prescription, it's called. And that's through the Saskatchewan Union. And there's about, um, there was about 35 and it seemed manageable. And because we always, the, the model too, that we have Mark in around safety is that we always have uh, a main facilitator and a um, co-facilitator. And one of our, our, our things within the guidelines is if someone is activated, so outside their window of tolerance or, you know, triggered, then, you know, if that person wants to private message us, like the co-facilitator is how we say, um, then we could go into, we use Zoom, you could go into one of the breakout rooms and we could, you know, talk if we need. And so, you know, that seems to work really well, even in the groups that are a little bit bigger. Um, Yeah, so at this point, it's, it's, we've never really had to cap it or anything like that. Um, you know, it's something new that nurses have no idea about and, um, a lot of nurses and, and, or the health authorities. So it's, uh, it's not, um, you know, and like full, I've worked with peer support from, you know, folks that have lived experience with HIV to schizophrenia. So it's really, um, it's a, it's a, it's the same model, different population, right? So like, you know, like fire and veterans and, and police and whatnot. So it's, uh, yeah, so far it's going, it's going well with the numbers. We would like to see more. Uh, but I think when we get the, you know, close groups that, that will bring in a little bit more safety and, and, you know, focus, right? In our military peer support groups, I'm always conscious of gender because it's a bit of a sausage party tends to be. And so I try to balance that out as, as best as we can. Now, it's the reverse with nurses. Uh, most are ladies, and nurses with purses and nurses without purses. So mm-hmm. uh, is, is gender a, um, a factor for you as well? And, yeah, And for how sure. do you juggle that? Well, you know, we haven't had any, we haven't had any men yeah, we? yeah, we have. Like at the beginning, um, like, out in Ontario, I think you know, I was calling oh, in and yeah. stuff, and oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you're right; it's it is very uh, different, like population, right? Mm-hmm. And so we we are mindful of that. 
Um, there's also um, someone who's quite involved. Byron is his name mm-hmm. uh, out in BC with like uh, WESEP, like Workers for Ethical Substance Use Policy. And so I think we'd love to be able to bring a mix of like, you know, a diverse group and so that people do have that support, right? If it is a, a male nurse and they're looking for someone who kind of understands that, like, because, yeah, working amongst a bunch of women, <laughs> that might be very a very unique uh, perspective. Um, but uh, I feel like we have resources that we could on if we needed to and connect people for like one-on-one but within the group space it has been primarily women um or people who identify as uh women so mm-hmm. well and that, the thing about a peer support group is you want to go where you feel heard and where you feel familiar where you don't you know where you feel understood i i think is the word that i was looking for the most so if there are any dudes that are nurses that are, or they're like, yeah, I'd go, but come on, you know, I, I want a little bit of balance. They can go to OSI can. And, uh, uh, they're good friends of the show. They, uh, promote me on their website. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> but, but, it, but it's a good outfit and, um, mm-hmm. and so important, you know, we would have people drive two and three hours to show up to our peer support group. And, mm-hmm. and that's how the show was born. As we were saying, uh, before I hit the record button, and, and mm-hmm. it's what keeps me going because I understand the, the, the power of it and the, the sense mm-hmm. of connection. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, just throw something out there and I, I'll get a response from you. I believe that PTSD is a disease or um, an injury rather of disconnection. Mm-hmm. That it is it's caused from disconnection and because of disconnection. Disconnection from yourself from others, from community. And I was just hoping to get a response from that idea from each of you, Fola. I thought you'd ask for Katrina first. Yeah, I know. I saw it. I saw the look on your face. That's why I said Fola. Like, I was like, Hmm. Well, yeah, I hear that. Like, and it's, it's like that whole like scenario, like the chicken or the egg, like which came first. Right. Because I'm just thinking back to like the most recent sort of workplace incident I had. And uh, the the main the main piece of it at the end was that I felt as I was trying to like debrief with people that there was this like major disconnect. Like I literally felt like I was just talking to like a wall. Right. And I want to just be like, hello, like, is anybody there? Um, and that like these people weren't part of the, the like actual event that took place. Like I was just seeking out to debrief. Um, and so that kind of left me wondering, like, what's that about? Is that because like everyone's traumatized in some form because of the overwork and the various scenarios that they put themselves through or had to experience? Um, and like, they just are so disconnected from self or is it also that like, you know, we, we know that we become more dissociative or disconnected as we gain more trauma. Um, I, it's, I have no idea which it is. I do feel though that's like overall when with that like PTSD or other forms of like anxiety and that people do tend to continually like withdraw more and more and uh, people aren't really aware. They take like someone going through traumatic experience, you know, if we don't have the trauma informed care piece, it's like we think we take it personally oh, why would someone act that way or do that thing, right? Versus trying to see like, oh, maybe something has happened for them and that's like just the response that they need to go through based on wherever they're at. Um, so, I, yeah, I really do wonder, but I feel like 
obviously with peer support, like us being able to provide that form of community, a sense of just like building the trust that like, hey, we are here if you need it, but like this is completely up to you. Um, we're here non-judgmental, just holding you in compassion because we see you for who you are and know that like those experiences that might have happened aren't you necessarily, but they are part of like the story of your life um, that we can like hopefully build more of that relationship. And I've seen it time and time again within the group where, you know, people come for like a first meeting and you can tell they're like really not sure and like kind of like really more quiet and whatever. And then they kind of start reaching out more and more. And then within like a bit of time it, or, or not, right. It's really up to each person. Like you can tell they do open a bit more. Right. And I think it's because of that sense of feeling a community, knowing that they're not alone. Um, and so that is the beauty too of peer, right. It, within that whole like PTSD piece. So yeah, chicken or egg. <laughs> within the nursing community um because i don't know the culture uh, is there a lot of trust generally uh, among coworkers and nurses or is there more distrust can i just i want to because i'm a psychiatric nurse yeah. so i my background's a bit different than like the rn and i i personally i feel and i don't know maybe it's just the level of what we've kind of how we open up in the rpn or in mental health so you don't necessarily have to be an rpn like katrina obviously has worked in mental health what i've noticed though is like uh, those nurses who maybe work in like emergency triage icu like that sort of like a little higher intensity uh, they seem more like uh, a bit more closed it take, just takes a bit of time to build trust but again, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's me mirroring my own thing. <laughs> it's a group, right? Of like, is that a little oh, bh I'm of like projection? the lone psych nurse, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we haven't had a lot of psych nurses within the space, so I'm curious to see. But otherwise, I do feel it just takes a bit of time. Um, and in the workplace, um, where like you know, Sarah will always say like, yeah, the nurse, the, the nurses eat their young, right? Like new nurses <laughs> coming on. There's like a lot of that. Um, a challenge for, for new nurses. And so that trust isn't always there. And it definitely is kind of lacking within like the, the structure of like from leadership, right? Cause everything's just directed um, versus like asking the frontline kind of what works, what doesn't work um, to, to improve patient care and the work safety, workplace safety. But uh, yeah, I'm curious, Katrina, what you think? Yeah. The culture of nursing is, um, yeah, there is, you know, nurses eat the young. There is, it's, that's not just, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't tell the whole story, really. Um, you know, we have high stress loads or workloads that causes a lot of stress. You know, there's a lot of moral injury because we don't, we're not able to get the work done. Um, and like Fola said, you know, like we're not really asked how to, you know, put this, what are the solutions at times, like we, we may, we may advocate for some change and it may or may not happen. And, and, you know, so it just kind of, like I said, like the, when I was talking, when I started is the accumulation of things, be it workload, you know, not able, you know, seeing the trauma, not able to uh, go through the stress response because after a critical incident and that happens over and over again. And, you know, one thing, you know, um, one thing that happens is, you know, we we're not given the time to grieve. We lose patients all the time. People die with us. Um, and we're not given the time. It's like, okay, next person in here, let's get the bed ready. Let's get it clean. And, and, um, so 
there's a uh, there's really not a um, psychological um, health and safety awareness as much as it needs to be within nursing. And um, I think if there was, then we may look at each other a little differently. And if there was more education and awareness around trauma, we may look at each other and, and respond differently to each other. It sounds and like there's very, to, you have very yeah. much a soldier's uh, mentality of suck it up and soldier yep. on. Right, Exactly plain and simple like that. Yeah, it is. It is much like that. And, and there's a lot of stigma. And, you know, if we do open up and there's, it's really a fear-based kind of culture um, because we're, you know, if we admit to this and we might lose our license, we might lose our livelihood, you know, there's a lot of fear in there as well. So that piece really does need to change. Have you seen anybody lose their license or lose their livelihood because they, um, just needed to to take a break or they said, hang on, I just need to decompress that. That was, that was a hell of a thing I just went through. I personally have been discriminated against when I opened up about my PTSD. Okay. Um, in an interview. So that has happened. I know that happens to many nurses. I also um, know nurses that have had substance use um, challenges that where it wasn't even affecting their job at that point. It was on their personal time and their license was taken away and they were put through a alternate to discipline um, programming, which actually was quite traumatic and many of them are still not practicing or they just said, that's it, I'm out. They tapped out because it was just too much. It was too traumatic. So yeah, it, it's happening. Um, and it's sad and, and it's traumatic. It adds trauma to trauma. And um, yeah, and it's, I think nurses like the folks that I used to work with in the community, nurses that have substance use challenges, they, they get the rawest end of the deal. So, so and uh, we know, we know that folks that use substances have, you know, it's usually self-medicating, right? So I'm going to try to make a diagnosis of why this is happening. And you tell me if you think I'm on or not. Okay. Here's my diagnosis from Dr. Mark here. I'm not a doctor (laughs) at all. Um, What I'm hearing from you guys, I'm also hearing from the paramedic community and a friend of mine just left the paramedic community because of the toxic culture. And what the bottom line seems to be is that those in charge are bureaucrats and the bureaucrats are completely disconnected from the frontline experience whether because they've just been out for too long or they never were there, whatever it is. But it's a failure of leadership. And that leadership is looking at numbers and charts, not people. Is that what's going on there? Yeah. Did I nail it? Yeah, it's nailed. nailed. And, you know, like I don't like to generalize all the time, Mark. Like there are some really amazing leaders out there. Um Though, you know, I really, just like our patients, we, if we're going to provide them care, we need to include them in that care. We need to be included in that care. We need to be at that table. And that's what the peer support model is, right? It's us walking with our peers and, you know, providing the support. And if, you know, people way up there, that are really disconnected 
from from us and they're making the decisions and putting in programming if we if we're not included at that table it's not going to be effective and it's just going to be a waste of time you hear this money. with uh, the indigenous community people keep coming up with yeah. programs it's like hey hey whoa whoa hey it's not if it's not if it's about us it can't be without us if it's about okay. us it can't be without us like come on mm-hmm. uh read us in here and have us as part of the and the same thing is happening with with, with you folks correct yeah so true well, I can see a little bit of uh, nervousness talking about these uh, topics because I could, it's like, oh man, is this going to blow up in my face? This is, this is like live. Somebody, somebody's going to get their uh, underwear in a bunch and, and be giving me a dirty phone call. It's like, what are you doing on that show? So uh, <laughs> let's and wait. I, I want to add to that if that's okay. Yeah, right? of like, course, Paula. Because yeah, like you said, it's not every manager or le- person in leadership And I also see it from the perspective of like, this is kind of what we've needed so that more peer work could be done. Like, otherwise, why would we even need it if everything was just like hunky dory, like going well, right? So it's almost like this blessing in disguise of now we're in this place of, hey, we can try and make these changes and work with each other and know that we too are like capable of creating change and creating support. It doesn't need to come from like, this parental figure in a way where some people might have really negative experiences with their parents and then they just like kind of project it onto the leadership. Right. So yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, a work in progress, but you know, it's like a, it is somewhat a systems concern. Is nurse to nurse going to turn into a, um, have an advocacy component to it sort of to be a a voice and have a rep to, to speak with the nurses union and go, Hey, here's what uh, the consensus is over here in this group. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, we're always talking. Um, we, we have a seat at the Canadian Nursing Association. So we went kind of way up there. Um, and we're nurse advisors, peer nurse advisors on a nurse wellness network. And, you know, we're in meetings with, you know, Canadian Nurse Association, Mental Health Commission of Canada. You know, there's some big names up there. And they're hearing us. So that's a huge step, a massive step, actually, for us to be heard and not looked at as, you know, like Fola said, we have a lot of potential. And, uh, you know, we may be, what is that? We may have been injured, but we're not broken, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's an honor to be up there. And it's, it's you know, at least a start. Um, and... Uh, yeah, like uh, unions, we've got we've got a lot of work ahead of us, but it's like step by step. Let's not overwhelm ourselves, and you know we're pretty little, and we're doing this off the side of our desk, as they as we say in nursing. So this is volunteer at this point, right? All of it, and you know that's that's you know these and these um, um, our peer circles, our peer groups are free and as they should be because that's you know as low barrier as possible for folks to come and and speak with you know, other peers and be together. And um, so, yeah, there, and the other thing that's huge, and I wish Sarah was here because she would just her fiery energy. She's gets all riled up when you ask that question. She's our (laughs) advocacy director. It's beautiful. And um, she was, she, you know, here in Alberta, I think it's um, New Brunswick and Yukon. 
in Canada, we don't have presumptive legislation under like, um, you know, workers comp. So if it's not presume or, or it's not uh, really recognized that nurses may be at risk for, um, for trauma. And that makes That's it very really, surprising really, to me. Yeah. Very yeah, it's surprising. Hard. It's hard to get supports and the right trauma specific um, supports when we are injured like this. You know, I've been through two appeals. I'm in two appeals at WCB. Thank God I had Canada life to support um, me through this, but I was denied that I even had this trauma and I have a PTSD diagnosis from my initial injury. So yeah, you know, well, there I'm going to, there's some system I'm, issues. I'm going to make sure I don't complain about veterans affairs Canada anymore. Then it sounds like you guys got it worse. At, I, at, at back uh, veterans affairs Canada, they, they treat us like uh, they are an insurance company, not a service provider. So it's okay. Here's some flaming hoops. You got to jump through. It's like, oh no, no, yeah, you've you've got a more more proof, more proof, and um, they're doing everything that they can to not sign the check, as opposed to, okay, we're a service provider. What's going on? Let's help you. And it's um, mm-hmm. very discouraging. But the good news is that across the board, whether whether it be military related or any of the first responders, nurses, that it's getting better. People are getting more trauma-informed, and especially over the last five years, the stigma is beginning less and less because people like yourselves are recovering out loud. Yeah. You're, you're, you've got the, the lady balls to step up and say, we're doing this, we're putting this group together, we're going to put ourselves out there, and we're going to do it. Like It takes courage, and you're doing mm-hmm. it. And just the fact that the that you're on the show here today, that you have the group, um, shows tremendous courage, and it is such a huge contribution to your community to reduce stigma, to make it okay to reach out for help. And you're doing that, sisters, and I appreciate it. Good on you both. Thank you. Yeah, and I want to add to that, if I may, like just the fact that I feel the beautiful thing about peer work is it can be like proactive. And I think that's our hope is like eventually making it where it's accessible to anyone before they even go through like a major injury or like these traumatic events. And then we can like reduce the impact on WCB or Canada Life. And like, so in the end, it's like saving money. Absolutely. (laughs) So it, it makes sense. Uh, you're you're bang on. I just finished a session of equine therapy and it was great. Mm. And there was a fellow there that um, was there preventatively. And it's like, well, that never happens, <laughs> you know, but good mm. on you. And it's so, so important. Um, go before you think you need it. Because when you think you need it, chances are you needed it eight years ago. And uh, you're a little bit late to the party. It, it happens all the time. I was undiagnosed for over 20 years, 23 years undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot of damage that gets done <laughs> when you're undiagnosed because you're just not aware. You don't know that you don't know. And a part of uh, being preventative is the awareness like, oh, that's what that looks like? That's what that injury looks like? Oh, shit. I think that is me. Damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I better get on that. And yeah. um, so, so, so important. Yeah, right. Yeah, so important. I remember, um, I think that was my saving grace is being in mental health and working with folks with trauma that I saw all the signs coming. Even though I saw it, I I didn't prevent it. 
but you know, did my damnedest. Uh, but yeah, that prevention piece is so huge, so huge and, and decreasing the stigma so that people can talk about it. Do you guys have it's a, a it's just like with mental health. Do you have a psych ed component to uh, your peer support groups uh, with the ones that I have attended? A lot of times we'll pull out books like uh, the four agreements or the five love languages. And, and we'll talk about that as tools. Uh, do you cover stuff like that? Oh yeah, for sure. Like we talk about, we, we, we offer mindfulness as a tool as well. Um, Trauma sensitive mindfulness you know, mindfulness in itself can be um, activating or triggering for people. So, you know, we, we, we um, explain that, practice it, you know, things like gratitude, you know, that cognitive base kind of stuff to really like, um, what are we, what are the thoughts that are driving us, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's always, we, you know, what is trauma? And one of our series is, um, and we're working more on just like a, not just out, like in the, in the circles themselves, we'll provide tools and psychoeducation. However, we want a, um, education empowerment series that we've started and this bringing in different people to speak. We've had a couple, um, uh, social workers that come in that practice EMDR, so eye movement desensitization reprocessing, and what is that, and how can we, you know, how can we access that, and those kind of things. So really, a lot of resource sharing, education, and nurses are really good at that. So that's what we do in our jobs. So it's something that naturally happens in the circles themselves, and when when then, um, we're sharing with each other. Um, that happens so it's like oh what is that and how how does that support and you know things like that brain spotting I just found out about brain spotting oh what's that I'm writing well, that let's down. practice it what, yeah what, what's it, brain spotting I can't believe there's one I haven't heard of yet yeah brain spotting um, it's actually a nurse I know in Calgary she practiced it on me yesterday morning and it's much like EMDR Okay. Um, but it's accessing a certain part in your brain where the trauma sits. And it's like files is how she explained it. Um, but check it out. Yeah, it's, it's, it works much like, um, you know, EMDR is it accessing those tra- trapped traumas that we haven't processed yet. Well, a couple um, of episodes that mm-hmm. um, I, I would suggest for you ladies is mm-hmm. uh, the one that dropped yesterday was an EMDR specialist out of Vancouver. The one that drops today at 11 o'clock. Uh, was on reconsolidation therapy, and that is extremely promising. Ah, reconsolidation therapy. That's okay. a big part of what I do here. Is I'm, yeah. an, I'm an aggregate for resources. So uh, peer support's a resource. That's why I reached out to you and um, to talk about that resource and and how and how to find it. Or uh, for people that are listening, like, well, I don't have one. Well, start one. You just heard how they start, and there's books out there. I had Sid Gravel on the show. Sid Gravel wrote a couple of a uh, couple few books on peer support out of Ontario. Go get Sid's book. Um, mm-hmm. Like there, there are resources, and how to do peer support is all over the show anyway. The first ten episodes covers it pretty well, mm-hmm. and uh, so this show is a resource for, for people that want to start a peer support group, but. Um, just do it because the power of it is significant. It, the, the sense of connection, the sense of, oh, I'm not nuts. 
excellent, you know, or maybe I am, but that's okay. But it's a sense of connection and uh, just showing up is healing by itself. Just showing up. It doesn't, you know, regardless of the content, if you're showing up and it's a, it's a safe place where you, you don't feel judged, that's healing because mm-hmm. that pr- provides uh, that sense of connection. And people are laughing at safe spaces because it's gone to a bit of an extreme in some places. And, um, uh, but it's so important and it shouldn't be scoffed at because mm-hmm. all safe means is, is like any relationship. You don't want to stay in a marriage if your spouse is always um, criticizing you. You don't want to say in, in any kind of a relationship if they're shitting on you every time um, you've got something to say or you have an idea and, and you're told that you're stupid or that's not good or what's wrong with you. That's not a safe space. Mm-mm. When you show up to a place, your best friend is your best friend because you can be yourself with your best friend. And that is the best description of a properly run peer support group. You, you, walk, mm-hmm. you, you walk in, you feel completely accepted, you can be yourself, there's no judgment, you can relax, you can let your shoulders down. True story. Yeah, authentic self. Authentic self, that's it. That's what peer support is supposed to be. Doesn't always hit the mark, but that's the point of it. Yeah, Do you agree, Fola? Right. Oh, totally. And I think that's us coming into ourselves and allowing our authentic selves to to play. And we're all just learning next to each other. We've been so conditioned as we've like been raised to be otherwise, like you're saying. So finding that place where you feel at least you can start to like open up more and feel more like yourself. So it's so beautiful. Well, there's a, there's a book I'd suggest for you too, uh, to add to the reading list. It's called Why Not Me? The Keys to Unlock Your Power and Release Your Potential, available on Amazon.ca. Okay, wrote it down. Got it. Excellent. (laughs) The the author's got a bizarre name, really tough to pronounce. Why not me? Got it. All right. Yeah. Well, ladies. Mark, I wanted to tell you one other thing. Yeah. We we focused on the peer circles, but we also do the advocacy piece that we do a lot is the one-to-one um, navigation of system. It's like the peer navigation piece that we're, we're developing. And so like, you know, we were talking about that there's not a lot of male nurses within our circle, but we have male nurses that we do a lot of one-on-one with and, and, you know, other folks that aren't quite feeling safe about this, the group process. So, um, that, that kind of, you know, we'll pick really, it's like, meeting people again where they're at and i'm sure there's must be nurse podcasts as well yeah you know that that can be a stepping stone that's how this show is used quite often um couples get a hold of me and say yeah he's not ready for for therapy yet but he can listen to your show and it's 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 the middle ground and by so i'm sure if you don't have one yet i can help you get set up without a do it but um uh, there are resources out there. So do what you yeah. can do instead of focusing on what you can't. That's right. That's right. And I want to say thank you so much for having us because it's really, it, it touches my heart because it, um, you know, I, I have felt nurses being on the outside and not really getting these resources. And I'm like, why? Why aren't nurses getting these resources? So to have someone who is a veteran and, you know, within that, um, 
you know, public safety personnel group and you're bringing us in. So yeah, thank you. Sorry it took so long. This is episode 151, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Well, it's, you know, it's better now than earlier because the audience is bigger now. It's, it's growing every day. But um, ladies, stay on the line. And thank mm-hmm. you so much for, for being here today. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. All right. Stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders, including nurses. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Now I've got a favor to ask you. And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment. That would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow. And if there's an option there for rating, please do so. And this is why. Every time you click like, leave a rating, leave a comment, what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast. The help that you can't find doesn't help at all. So help other people find this so that they can help themselves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring.